Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass. I'm your host, Sam, from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. And I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. Yes, you are. Uh, each week we get together, we talk about cars, motorsport, F1... Car, what else? Cars? Cars? We cars, cars, cars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can watch us on youtube.com forward slash behind the glass. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. And Tony, if people want to support this podcast, what should they do? Watch it. No. <laughs> but also head to Patreon. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash behind the glass. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. How and when do you all listen to this podcast? I know a lot of you used to enjoy it during your commute, but let's face it, people aren't really commuting a lot these days. So instead, I listen to podcasts when I'm trying to get my daily exercise or even whilst I'm doing my Christmas shopping at this time of year. But I'm often annoyed, distracted or struggling to focus because of lots of background noise. Do you guys have the same issue? If you do, I think I might have a solution because Urban Easter's new state-of-the-art earphones called London are super sleek and reduce unwanted background noise with superior precision. Urbanista's London earphones, they have amazing sound quality. They're sleek, they're compact, and they enable you to silence the world around you with their active noise-cancelling mode. I've been using noise-cancelling earphones for ages because when I'm editing, I find it really important to shut off the world around me so I can focus on the job at hand. What's really cool about the London earphones is if you want to remain aware of the surroundings around you while still enjoying the audio, you can use their ambient sound mode. So if someone's calling you, Sam, Sam, I don't completely ignore them, which, which I have done previously on some some occasions so apologies if that was any of you <laughs> urban east of london comes in four different colors midnight black rose gold dark sapphire and white pearl all to represent the vibrant and busy city of london which is of course where i'm recording this podcast their slim charging case can charge the earphones up to four times on a single charge, giving you 25 hours of battery life in total. Urban Easter headphones are iOS and Android compatible. They have touch and voice control. And all importantly, if you're going to use them in and around the UK, they're water resistant. Let's face it, it's going to rain. You need water resistant earphones. I chose the dark sapphire set because I think in 2021... Blue with tan is going to be a very favourable spec option for cars, and I kind of want to get ahead of the curve by choosing the cool blue colour. Uh, but the active noise cancelling on these things is amazing. And as I mentioned, for editing, I find that really, really important, but also for enjoying podcasts, hopefully like you do with this one. So I highly recommend you checking these out if you are also getting distracted whilst listening to Behind the Glass, or you just want to enjoy your audio experience that little bit more. Right now, Urban Easter is offering you a huge 30% off their London earphones and free shipping. That's 30% off the London earphones by going to my own Behind the Glass link and using my special code, which is all down below in the description. Don't miss out on that superior quality. It's the penultimate episode of the year, Tony. Oh, we've got one more left. We've got one more left, and then we're going to have a little Christmas break. Because, you know, we need to go and see families and do what we're hopefully going to be allowed to do. It feels like rules and regulations here in the UK are changing every single second. So they did tell us we could have Christmas with loved ones, but I'm not so sure anymore. But if we are allowed to do so, that's what we're going to be doing. So yeah, there will be a break between Christmas and New Year, and then we'll be back 2021 to, to keep going with what I think is a very positive time for this podcast. I think this has been the best the most consecutive and best year that we've had. I've been really enjoying it. I'm gonna have, I feel a lot of positivity. I'm excited about the future. There's some cool plans. We are now here in our, I'm going to call this the winter studio. 
<laughs> so we've uh, I, well, I put some work into perfecting the upstairs area, STGHQ, um, so that we can film here sort of more regularly. And I think this is where we're going to base ourselves for the colder months. Live from Oslo. <laughs> <laughs> Does feel like Oslo. Um, and it's just a little tiny bit warmer up here. We've got a bit of a backdrop. And then I think as the weather gets better, we'll move back downstairs and have the cars as a backdrop again. Fair. And it, you know, creates hopefully a point of interest for you guys watching on YouTube. You yeah, get slightly yeah. different backgrounds depending on what time of year it is. Yeah. I mean, we're so plush, aren't we? Oh, this is the winter studio. We're moving into spring and May. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lots of exciting things happening. But anyway, let's let's keep the focus on today because it is a, another episode that we are bringing you guys and lots to discuss. There's been some new cars, some things that we wanted to touch on last week during our F1 special, but we just ran out of time because there was so much to talk about. We just rattled on. Rattled on about F1. So we're going to come back to some uh, sort of motorsport chat. Um, and yeah, just some, some things that we can look back on over this year because it has been a weird year, but cars have still been sold and we've got some interesting stats that I wanted to talk through. Um, but let's kick things off with something I really wanted to touch on last week, but didn't have time. The fact that there's a new... Jaguar F-Pace SVR. Oh, uh, no. Uh, Hold on. F-Pace SVR. So the 4x4, the SUV. Oh, I was uh, offered one of them today, but the, the current shape now. Okay. There's so a new one? There's a new one. Oh. It's, a, it's a facelift one. And small changes, small incremental, but, but actually I think really sharpened the looks. Like, so Jaguar doing this sort of big model year 2021 refresh. Um, lots of sort of changes across the entire range. We've already seen new F-Type, but this is new F-Pace and it's just, it's just been squared off and boxier and the interior looks really nice. It's expensive though. Yeah. I mean, F-Pace SVR, I don't know what the old ones were. I think I do know what the old ones were because I actually considered one for Drive the World at one point and it was circa 70, 75 grand once you'd spec'd it up. I think the new one's more like 80, 85. Yeah, but that's like, th- this is a perfect segment for me to get involved. That's, that <laughs> that's made, why you're here, that, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> that, um, while, we, while we're talking about this, I literally yesterday was talking to someone I knew at Volkswagen that said the starting price of a GTI, Golf, Golf GTI, GTI, Mark 8. Mark 8, of which there was one outside here at Duke of London the other day. Uh-huh. Go ready? You ready? £34,000. Start. Start! <laughs> now, judging by your reaction, sounds a lot. It's I, a f- how I can't much, swear. Well, you have before. <laughs> yeah. How much was it previously? Like, like, I just don't know. I don't look at Golf GTI prices. No. no. Um, <laughs> like, like, Help like, me out. Like... 27, 28, but the thing is what they've done is they put the price of the car up and took stuff away as well. So they've done it right across the range, Volkswagen, with their Tiguan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all doing it, mate. So I am not surprised that Jaguar are doing the same thing. Look at BMW with their new M cars. They're, they're going to be 80-odd grand. Do we think the new M4 could be spec'd up to 100 grand? Oh, Oof. Uh, no. No. Not even if they do a first edition or something naff like that. Uh, mind you, you say that. Do you remember when they launched the RS5? And they yes. really spe- And they were 92. And you could get some ni- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. If you bought one of those, I'm sorry for you. Like, that must have been an awful, awful experience. Like the people who bought the 570 GT Black Edition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I shouldn't laugh because we're going to come onto a car that is ludicrously priced that I might even think about buying at some point. Um, anyway, so so Golf GTI, ludicrously expensive. But you also told me, actually, last week, not the GTI, you told me about the R. No. So that was my next segment. Right. <laughs> so the start. So they're doing a. GTI performance car, which is a 300 horsepower front wheel drive, which will be a bit like the TCR car now. Nice, sounds great. Starting price of the GTI performance. Yes. If this other one's 30, 36 and a half, 37. 37 and a half thousand pounds. <laughs> Golf R starting price 39,200 pounds. But, but can we go to the more shocking fact that you told me of your friend who specced one up? <laughs> you tell him. <laughs> well, I don't think I can remember correctly, but I'm pretty sure you told me he specced up a car using the online configurator to over 50 grand. 53,000 pounds. For a Golf R, the car of the people. Correct. Oh my God. I mean, but okay, so just to clarify, because a few people have been talking about this uh, on the Patreon page, but also across my social media, uh, the potential increase in prices post-Brexit. This isn't anything to do with Brexit. No, no, no. These are the prices of the cars as of December. The, well, I'm, Now. It, yeah, now. <laughs> so the, the best thing in all of this, as you say that, is that 
um, the Volkswagen dealer I spoke to yesterday, they, because I work seven days a week sometimes, guys. Oh, well, no need yeah. to show off me. <laughs> so do I. Yeah, very good. <laughs> That's what well uh, And um, they're taking an order for a Golf R, uh, and the guy expects it to £47,000. And they said it's not coming till next June because that's when they that's when their delivery of of them, and uh, we could have a price increase between five and ten percent on top of the forty-seven. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, it is all going to be hell. But let's not touch on politics because I think yeah. we're going to do well out of our depth. Um, but yeah, all car prices, all new car prices are becoming slightly ludicrous. The thing is, it's kind of in line with everything else. You know, mm. of course, that seems outrageous for a Golf R, but everything's getting expensive. When you've got A45s and, and, and RS3s and all these things increasing, I mean, when Defenders can cost 75 grand, you know, I mean, the world has gone a little bit crazy. And actually, it brings me on to the car I wanted to touch on, which is the F-Type 60th anniversary heritage. It's essentially the F-Type that's celebrating the 60 years of the E-Type or the 60th anniversary of the E-Type. And pricing, I have to get this right before I actually read it out. Because, I mean, essentially, it's paint, a really nice bespoke green paint. Uh, I think a slightly different interior trim, which you can't spec. Or maybe it's not a different trim inside, it's just different options. Uh, I think that might be it. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not missing anything. Oh, logos. Get a couple of, get <laughs> a couple of logos. Them. So, <laughs> it's priced from... £122,000. What engine? Oh, it's the, it's the exact same as the F-Type R, which is 97. Oh, my God. So this is nearly a 25 grand increase in price for paint. Have they not learnt Jaguar? I mean, that is a disaster. And I, like, I've said it when I did the F-Type review, I'm the biggest Jag fanboy. And I love a bit of heritage. I love it when brands tap into the past. And I would like this car because it looks great but I'm never going to pay that much money. I mean, I specced up a standard F-Type R to 107 and was like, no, 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 no. But 122, that's more. Is it more? I think, no, it's not more. It's nearly as much as the Project 7 was. And that was an entirely bespoke creation. Yeah. Uh, and, and how do they get on with that? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, what is wrong? I, I, don't, I mean, I, the, the business part of it, I kind of get because... It's easier to come down than to go up, obviously. Sure. But that's why Porsche should get it so right, because they just price their cars properly, full stop. So that's why they sell them, because they're priced properly. Porsche fanboys over here, we're always going to fly that flag. But yeah, I, I do think that the world has just moved to this place where, where new cars are, at, are insanely expensive and therefore just suffering so much depreciation because we've even seen it, you know, with recently with M5s, E63s, all those kind of big wagons. RS6s are doing all right so far, aren't they, in terms mm. of... Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but, but these really, what feels like overpriced new cars are rolling off the forecourt and then just losing a ton of money, which is, you know, great for the used car market, but doesn't... I mean, it just seems to suggest they're all pricing them incorrectly. Yeah, because what they're doing is, the reason why they do it is because they don't want the public or independent dealers to have the overs, so they have it instead. Because So, so what they do is, for they, put them, they price them high, they have a few people that are insane that go and <laughs> give full list for them, and then, and then after them, people have gone away, which isn't very many, they then start discounting them. Yeah, it's, it's all a bit mad, and, you know, I would love to replace my X3 with an F-Pace SVR. I was like, I was all over it, spec one up and I just went, that's just a ton of money. And I think in a, f well, in six, 12 months times that they would have softened off a lot. And, and at that point- a two year old one, mate. Yeah, 50, well, no, but I like new. It, well, okay, so this is weird. Ah! <laughs> I knew as I said that, so he's going to eat me up on this. If you're new to the podcast, there is a long running tradition on the show that I like slightly older, modern classic items whilst Tony is all about the new and I just put my foot in it by saying oh I like new things uh, it does now <laughs> let's not talk about my Porsche 911 um, but yes so uh, I like the idea of the new shape SVR um, and you know what's interesting about my X3 is as whilst it's been brilliant and I've been loving every second with it, it does the perfect job um, I would replace it in a heartbeat uh, for something, you know, of, of similar... You know, I, I would replace it. It's, I have no connection with it. It's just great at what it does. Yeah, but that's uh, most German cars in general, mate. They're very mundane. It's just a tool. And they're just good at what they do. They just do everything perfectly. They won't let you down. And for an everyday car, don't forget, we're petrol heads. Most people 
are fine with just getting in a car in the morning, starting it up, as long as it works, yeah. which the German stuff does, which is because it's the best-selling stuff in the country. Um, you know, that, that's what people have. Well, I, I, and I have to say, I probably, in hindsight, didn't need the 40i, the M40i. I love the way it sounds, and a couple of times I've given it some, and it's great, but I reckon I've put it in sport mode twice. <laughs> You'd have been absolutely fine with a two-litre petrol yeah, or two-litre Totally petrol. fine. But, you know, yeah. I like the body kit. And I like the, and, and so silly in that sense. I think it, you've got to really think about how you're using these cars. And someone messaged me, actually, because they have a M140i at the moment. And they yeah. were thinking about stepping up to the X3 M40i because they want a bit more practicality. Uh, and I just said, look, I, I said, I'm not the right person to ask because... I, I get to drive sporty cars. And so when I'm in the X3, I'm literally cruising. I use it for its comfort, its practicality, yeah. and the fact that it goes kind of relatively unnoticed. Um, but if it's one car to do everything, fine, get it, because it's unbelievably at its performance. But I think there's a lot of other cars out there that could do just as good a job. And if the opportunity ever arose, whether it's through a long-term loan or something that's priced as competitively as that, I think I would swap just why not? But it it's not to say it's not great, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't have a connection with it. So yeah, let's see. F Pace SVR. Maybe at some point uh, I, I can make that happen, but but definitely not as a as a new car. I'm not buying a new F Pace mm. SVR. Uh, but fingers crossed, prices will come down. Um, but look, talking about German manufacturers brings us onto the thing that I really wanted to discuss over and above F Pace SVR last week: the news that BMW and Audi are leaving Formula E. Yeah. Now we've spoken a lot this year about electric vehicles, EV infrastructure, the future of the automotive industry. Um, and I really read a lot into this announcement that both these two huge manufacturers, BMW, who've been there from day one with Formula E, are bailing. Now, I see this as a little bit of a sign that they both realise they're not getting anything out of Formula E anymore, whether that's from a technological research and development point of view or a marketing point of view. And fundamentally, for any mainstream manufacturer... Motorsport is marketing. Of course. And there's an element of R&D because if you look at Formula One, no matter how much you hate that sport, that tech does trickle down into road cars. Flappy paddle gearboxes, all these different things, even the hybrid technology that's being developed right now trickles down into road cars. But fundamentally, it's about marketing. And for BMW and Audi to say, look, we actually don't think there's any benefit now to being involved in this EV, this electric-only sport, we're actually going to step away. BMW, not to do anything else, apart from actually focus on their road EVs, but Audi to actually go into Le Mans in the new LM... This gets so complicated. We're going to come back to this in a second. The new Le Mans class. Um, it, it, it ju I just read it as maybe this is the sign that electric vehicles aren't the final or only solution. I, I would 100% agree. They're here now. But I don't think that's our final destination. We've said this a few times before, both of us. Um, we both kind of know something that might be going on in the in the pipeline, but we don't know enough yet to probably start talking about it. But but yeah, I, I think that electric is what is going on now. But it's not the end goal, I don't think. Well, we've, we also had the similar news at the same time that Porsche were starting to develop synthetic fuels with Siemens over in, I think, South America. They're setting up a whole new research and development yep. set, set there. Uh, Toyota have made a lot of noise the last couple of weeks with the Mirai, which is hydrogen fuel cells, which I think is a very positive step. In California, that's been a sort of thing for a few years now. So there are potential other paths. The problem is because of the world with the uh, politics and climate control pressure um uh climate change pressure even uh the world has pushed everyone in towards evs and that's what's had to be done but it just feels like a couple of manufacturers are are saying actually guys there are other options for porsche to come out and say we're looking into synthetic fuels whilst the taycan is their biggest selling car of the moment kind of suggests that they're going well look we, we we've done that we've we ticked the box there you go ev vehicle now let's focus on what actually we need to do for the future yeah uh, and you know may, maybe bmw and audi are doing similar but as i say bmw did say that they're stepping back so that they can focus on their road evs yeah the problem is some of these manufacturers are going to have as well with with ev in general is especially the bespoke ones porsche bmw mercedes bentley Bentley. They've come out saying they're going to go all with EV. Yeah, but but the the problem that the the the, the petrol head manufacturers are going to have is is that it's how do you replace the engine, the combustion engine? 
it's a huge part of their business. So having it electric is all well and good, but you know what 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 are these people going to buy? I mean, well, uh, you know, I, I'll come out and say this and put my my um, hat in the ring or whatever it says uh, that I really think over the next twenty, maybe in thirty years, the extreme hybrids are the sort of solution. Mm. And I'm talking about like 0.5 liter, 0.9 liter combustion engines with big either hydrogen fuel cell hybrid technology or whatever it might be. But but I still think there'll be a part of a combustion engine yeah. in there. And if you look at what Formula One has been doing, slightly sort of, you know, behind the times, but still developing incredible hybrid technology. And now this new Le Mans class, which is what I want to come on to, it's all focused about groundbreaking hybrid technology yeah. and challenging these big race teams and big manufacturers to come up with genius ways to deploy and use hybrid technology. And that might lead to then synthetic fuels and synthetic racing, fine. Um, but at the moment, let's let's come on to it because I find it confusing. But as of next year, we've got kind of two classes at the top of endurance or sports car racing. You've got the Le Mans hypercar class, which I think we've known about for a while, been announced. There was rumours that Aston Martin were going to take the Valkyrie and maybe Mercedes with the Project One. That's kind of all dialed down now and it looks like we've got teams like uh, Toyota have definitely put their hat in the ring by Coles, who, which is where Ollie Webb's been racing for the last few years, uh, Peugeot and Glickenhaus. But then we've also got this other one, which is, I think, LMPH or LMDH? LMDH, which is where Audi have said they're going, where Porsche are expected to go. Um, and, and that's going to race over in Daytona in, in the US as well. But fundamentally, LM. DH is uh, sort of uh, like LMP2, you know, a single, a lot of shared components. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A shared hybrid technology, blah, blah, blah. The hypercar one, I think is a little bit more interesting, but also a bit confusing where it's like 670 horsepower limit on a combustion engine and then 200 and odd horsepower from the electrics. Yeah, yeah. But the electrics can't kick in, I'm reading my notes here, below 75 miles an hour. And I think that's fascinating because they don't want to get... Yeah. So you can't use electric power below 75 miles an hour because obviously that's instant torque. Yeah. So it's all about helping you above that limit where <laughs> it gets so confusing. Your combustion engine power has to drop to 450 odd or something like that. And then you can use your electric. So you can't use more than... It's really a bit messy. Yeah, yeah. But what it actually is doing is saying you've got to find a really clever way to use this electric energy. It's not all about instant talk and whatever like that. It's, it's about developing amazing powertrains. Yeah, and this is all a test as well. So this is all information that goes into the road cars and, and what we will probably see in 10 or 15 years' time. So I know at the moment we are going to go full electric and, that you know, 2030, that, that's the... I think it'll get delayed, if I'm honest, because I don't think the country's even ready for it. Nope. But, but that's what... They're the barometers we've got at the moment. I expect that to change. Yeah, I think it will change. I think, I, I think it's exciting. I think, you know, it's great that their manufacturers are testing themselves. They're being tested that we're going to have new and different technology coming to the forefront. I think it gives hope for us petrol heads, you know, to, to try out yeah. all these different formats. Um, and I think motorsport is going to be at the forefront of, of trying and developing these technologies. And I think endurance or sports car racing is going to be really exciting over the next few years not alone not only because they have to do homologation specials again yeah. that's what's brilliant i think in the le mans hypercar cars they've got to make 25 versions of that engine which means road cars theoretically so we're going to have peugeot and toyota hypercars again which is such a cool idea <laughs> i can't wait for that um so yeah let, let's watch this space but i think uh, yeah a very interesting shift in the world of motorsport now, we know Formula One's 2022 rules are coming, the cost cap's in there. Uh, let's see what happens with the powertrains. But with big manufacturers stepping away from Formula E, diversifying into um, you know these different areas, I think, it's, I think it's interesting. I think it's an exciting time for motorsport. Yeah. And while we're talking about homologation, I drove the Yaris last Oh, week. I wanted to bring this up. Well done. <laughs> okay, so can I just tell you all, off camera... <laughs> But two or three weeks ago, Tony, Tony came and go, oh, I want to slag off the Yaris. <laughs> oh, what are you going to say? Oh, I just, I hate that everyone's loving it. I said, no, Tony, <laughs> stop. I said, can you please go and experience one first? Because you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't, don't. doesn't matter. It shouldn't be costing that much money. You were frothing at the mouth. I was, yeah. Desperate to slag off this car. And I said, just wait. He said, because you don't know what you're talking about. So now you have driven it. What are your thoughts? Well, I drove, uh, it, it was on track as well. Was it a circuit track pack car? Yes. Okay. It's mega. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hello. 
It is so good. It's it, so good, isn't it, it? It's like it behaves a little bit like a front wheel drive car, but with rear grip. It, it's it's a little bit strange, but honestly, you just take you can take the piss with it. I mean, like, the grip. I feel like the way it squats, like the speed you can carry, mm. unbelievable. Yeah, and and there, there's a little. Obviously, there's three modes, isn't there? Mm-hmm. There's a driver's mode, there's a sport mode, and there's a track mode. So one of them's a. I don't know. I can't remember. Sixty forty in normal, so sixty to the front wheels, forty to the rear. Thirty seventy in sport, so thirty to the front wheels, seventy to the rear, and then fifty fifty in track. Yeah. So the, when it was in sport, it it moved around a little bit more because it was found a bit more power to the back. But honestly, as soon as you put it in track, it was honestly you could rock solid, and it was damp yeah, as yeah. well. It was like perfect, perfect weather. So interesting question with this because I feel like the hype around this car now is is going crazy. Like I feel like. Online within the automotive journalism sector, which I don't want to classify us being in, uh, but you know, at least from you know people of note, people, everyone's saying this car's amazing. I haven't seen one bad view. Everyone's going absolutely nuts for it. No, it, well, I mean, it is. A- Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Amazing. But um are people going to buy it? Well, you can't get them at the moment that so they've trickled a few into the country, I believe, from what from what because I've done some little bit of research. Oh, have you? Um, so there there are a few around. I don't. Th- I think they're all sold. I don't think dealers have got any left for sale. But I think they're June order the circuit pack cars, and I'm wondering. I know they're making twenty five thousand of them, but I'm wondering if they're just going to keep making them. And as well, a Fiesta going to come in with a because they do the same thing, mate. Are they going to come in with a Larry? homologation Well, I'm going to see if I can bring up, because uh, obviously I, I was very luckily invited to the actual launch of the GI Yaris uh, here in the UK. It was a COVID-friendly launch. Um, but what I'm trying to remember is they did share some sales figures with us. Uh, Pre-find attached the... Let's see if this still works. Because I think it was two and a half... Oh, transfer expired. I'm an idiot. Uh... I think it was two and a half grand, two and a half grand, two thousand five hundred units a year. I think for the UK for for the first three years or five. Years. Anyway, and and they'd sold over five hundred already or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could remember. Don't quote me on any of this. I'm an idiot. I didn't download the uh, presentation they gave to us, so I can't bring these figures up. But yeah, so so uh, supply and demand, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I just feel like now there's so much hype. But is it going to be one of those weird cars like the Alpine A110 or what else has been recently? Alpine's the best example. But where anyone who drives it says it's the best thing in the world, but people don't actually go out and buy them. Um, well, the, the, big, the biggest problem will be with it is that when you get in it and you... Uh, I mean... It, I like it inside. Uh, I thought it was nice. And yeah, it is a little bit Japanese and... and yeah, you know, bland and, and I mean, it's got all the bits and pieces in it for sure. I preferred it to a Megane. Uh, didn't like the Megane interior yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah, but in general, mate, you'd prefer Japanese-built car to a French-built car, wouldn't you, in general? Sure. In, in terms of interior quality. Mm-hmm. But but because we're all spoiled by the Germans, and originally when I said to you, I said, mate, it's too expensive. It's like it, it's huge amount of money when you compare it to a Fiesta ST. 
you can't compare it to a Fiesta ST. Although the Fiesta ST is nicer inside, it's it's a completely different car. Um, and I I I would like to hope that more of these manufacturers are going to challenge Toyota. Maybe Volkswagen come in with a Polo. Well, yeah, this is the question, isn't it? Is this going to inspire other manufacturers or, or motivate them to, yes, answer that question? But Toyota put their hands up and admitted that this was a sort of a loss leader almost for them. Like, it's kind of mad for them to do, because especially because that actual Yaris rally car might never race because of the change <laughs> yeah, regulations, that, yeah. which is kind of mad. Uh, and the huge amounts of R&D that gone into building that rally car and therefore the road car, it's kind of ludicrous and they kind of have to sell a lot of them. So... If I was another manufacturer, I think, like, well done them, but I don't really want to go and spend that much money with no guarantees. But, uh, before you jump in, I think one question, I think, is it going to say to these guys that actually, as we all go EV and all these things get made more usable, there's a benefit to having one outlier, one... It's like, so Renault now stepped away from F1 because they want to focus on EVs for that Renault brand and Alpine at their performance road car brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Is that what we're going to see? So GR represents that for Toyota. That is their AMG, their RS, whatever it might be. So if you're Volkswagen, do you think, yes, there is still, like the Mini GP3 and like all these elements, is there going to be like a motivation to have this kind of crazy hot hatch, which is relatively affordable, really good to drive, but still with a small engine that's, you know, relatively cheap to uh, insure and all these different elements? The The problem is with the Toyota, like you said, because it's such a special little car, the cost of building it is huge. Mm-hmm. In in normal circumstances, when these manufacturer and, and Volkswagen Audi group are the 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 best or the worst at it, however you want to look at it, they all share the same parts and the same platforms. Just keep bringing out different cars. If Ford or Volkswagen want to compete with Toyota again, they're going to be doing it for the love of the public, not for the fact of which is what they're there for, to earn money as a business. There we go. Yeah, so it's a it's a weird one. You're sort of doing it to appease the, the petrolhead community that buy your cars or maybe even tempt them in. Because I do think Toyota are going to get a lot of new customers with that car, people who would never have considered buying a Toyota before. Yeah, they, they, they will. Well, they will, yeah. Yeah, and so, and so therefore you've suddenly opened up your brand to a whole new market. So I think it's exciting. I think it's great. I'm glad that you're now on the bandwagon. Uh, you know, still I'm sitting here and I'm not desperate to swap out the air bath, which I really need to get cracking on turning into the Project Reposto, um, you know, to, to get one. I see a lot of people are starting to buy one. Shmi picked one up. Archie said that he's got one coming. There were two or three here last week popping in and out of uh, Duke of London and stuff. I don't think I'd buy no, one. No, it's, like, it's really, really cool, but I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm the same. I'm not like, oh, I really want one. I just think yeah. it's really good. Yeah. And I'd love to like do a tour of Japan in one, which I'm still trying to get in there with Toyota. <laughs> really. Well, I'm allowed to. Please send me to Japan to well, drive around. Their own city, Australia. just drive around their city. There we go. Well, look, uh, talking about hot hatches because that's what we're doing. Uh, I found an interesting list on Autocar. We have to sort of thank Autocar because I do use them quite a lot for well, topics of this uh, uh, podcast. Even though some of the articles we go in on, uh, we're going to be positive today because they've compiled they've compiled the best selling cars in the UK 2020. Hot hatches. No, the oh, best selling cars. Full stop in the UK. But as you're not going to be surprised by, the majority of them are hatches. <laughs> yeah, because it's a huge market. That and the SUV market. I bet that list, without, I haven't even seen it, yeah. I bet the list is hot hatches and SUVs. That'll be most of the list. As a man within the automotive industry, arguably not registering new cars, but you know, you get a sense of these things. What do you think number one top seller is in the UK? Fiesta. <laughs> well done, son. Ford Fiesta, number one top selling car in the UK. 45,807 new Fiestas this year. Mm. It's, that's just a known thing, is it? You just yeah. straight in there. Everyone loves them as a yeah. new car. Yeah. Why? Uh, because they appeal to Essex and it's huge. <laughs> no, 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 because no, because it's just like, you know, it's like the go-to little car, isn't it? Like, yeah. And you know Ford customers in general, they're very loyal and they have been for a very long time and, you know, there's a, there's a lot of... Old, it's a bit like Honda with the, with the little Honda Jazz. It's only yeah. older people that buy them. And Ford have that customer. They've had them since they were 17, and now they're 70, and they're still buying Buying Fiestas. Fiestas. Yeah. To be fair, Vicky's always said, oh, we mind a Fiesta. Yeah. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Be a little bit more creative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's rattle through this list. Number two, Vauxhall Corsa. Yep. 
43,410. So, so really just behind the Fiesta. Now, I think the new Corsa is kind of good looking, but I definitely wouldn't have said I've seen enough of them to think it's like the second best-selling car in the UK. Well, th- these figures are slightly exaggerated as well because... <laughs> oh, no. oh no, he's p- pulling, uh, yeah. the, what's it called? pulling back the covers on the automotive they, industry. Uh, yeah, because although they said they sold 43,000, I would think that's probably registered. To the dealers. And there's probably 20,000 of them in a field. But they're just, just registered. <laughs> okay, so we have to take this with a pinch of salt, do we? Because I definitely, I'm looking at a picture on the list here of the new course, and I'm like, I have not seen one of those on the road. Uh, yeah, yeah. Apparently there are 43,000 of them walking yeah. around. So then in number three, and this is the surprise for me, is, is the Golf, 38,000. So supposedly nearly 10,000 down on the Fiesta. Um, and yeah, I just, I always thought Golf was one of the best sellers. Well, it is number three. Well, very good point, Tony. I think I thought it was number one or number two, not number three. Um, yeah, I, did, I mean, it's just solid, isn't it? It's yeah, just it's solid. the people's car, but not anymore. Not anymore, it's apparently. 50,000 quid. Uh, yeah, it's too expensive. But I did see a new, a new GTI came in here. So actually down at uh, the, the Brentford Project, Duke of London, Ceramic Pro have a base here. Uh, big, you know, detailing, PPF, etc. Mm-hmm. ceramic coating uh, company. And they work with a leasing company that have a new GTI on fleet. And they were doing uh, preparing it before it went off to their customer. And so I had a little poke around. I think it looks nice. Weirdly, I posted it and a lot of people were like, Ew, no, like it's upset a lot of people the new Mark 8 Golf but I thought it looked really sharp yeah in the in the normal one I think looks a little bit bleh, but the, the definitely the GTI you've got to have the right wheels on it by yeah. the way there's two Spec sets dependent. Of yeah and uh, they are as well again if you up, they have the upgraded wheels on them um, I think they both look nice mate they yeah look really no, good. good car uh, number four Ford are back with the Focus Yep. Which I have to say, the new that newest shape Focus, I think, is a stunning car. Yeah, well, is, we, is the ST's already out? Yeah, so yeah. we the the new ST is really good, really nice. I think Paul had one. Paul Wallace had one for on loan. It's a really good car. Three or four well. It was so it looked really sharp, a really nice interior. You used to bang on about his heated steering wheel or something like that. But yeah, yeah just just nice and and. Uh, there's one white one that often pulls out if I, as I'm j- rejoining the road here from the studio. There's always this white one at the same time as when I pull out. Like, oh, yeah. it looks great. Yeah, so, yeah, nice car. Makes sense that. And there's a nice thirty odd grand though. They are. No. Oh, there we go. Another one's going up in its price. Number five, Mercedes A Class, thirty four thousand eight hundred forty seven. Um, I, I get it. I see that they're popular. Seem to be seem to be doing well. And I think the new one with the new interior, I, I, I kind of get it. It feels premium, right? Yeah, again, again with that car. Well, probably with most of the top five, maybe Volkswagen exempt a little bit because a lot of them go out on lease. Um, the uh, some of them figures are exaggerated because they'll be all pre-registered and, and registered cars already. Are you being negative about Autocar's list once again? No, 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 you no. You are. Not. You're attacking Autocar. Autocar. I was all here to help you guys out this week, but I like Autocar. Firstly, and secondly, they wouldn't necessarily know. No, fine, but maybe they should as journalists. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, they can always ring me up and I'll let them know what's going on. <laughs> no, we're just being harsh, but do you remember that list we did before, which was the top <laughs> yes. top supercars of the year? Um, so yeah, anyway, we love you, Autocar. The been sacked. And as I say, i, I got to thank them because we literally use them so much for topics, yeah. so they are still great. Now, number six, this is my personal favourite surprise car of the year, Nissan Qashqai. So back in the, oh God, when was it? Maybe it was pre-lockdown. Oh, it was Christmas last year. Uh, Vicky's parents came to stay and I wasn't around. I went to see my parents and uh, uh, she rented a Qashqai for a few days so that she could ferry them around. Oh my God, this thing blew me away. It was like top spec. It had radar cruise control. It had a panoramic roof. It had heated everything. I mean, it was so well-equipped and sturdy and great and I was like what a car I had no idea I mean I'm naive probably you know dick move from me but I had no idea and Nissan was so nice yeah so nice yeah so it's the best it's the best selling if you can call it an SUV it's the best selling SUV in the country the Qashqai and is is that five or six on the list number six the first SUV on the list okay so it's normally it's normally in the top five. So okay. something's overtook it. It's normally the, the fourth or fifth best-selling car in the country. It's just, I just think, a, a re- I understand it now. I get it. I thought it was a really great... And the amount of people that have messaged me recently, friends and friends of friends, asking about cars of that kind of money or little mini SUVs, or I'm looking at an, a Q5, and I just get the cash guy. 
they're not even a lot of money. I mean, they are a lot of money because, but but in general, for, for bang for buck, yes, over an XC40 stuff like that. I think you get oh, yeah, more yeah. equipment or as standard or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or you can spec it up higher. So, yeah. big big fan. Uh, number seven mini, and they've been pretty vague here. It's just twenty eight thousand minis. Uh, as we know, there's so many variants and different ones, and that that makes sense. I think it's still in the UK such a popular car, the mini. Yeah, I'd say that's probably right across the board that as well. That won't just be the Cooper hatch. I would think that's all of them. Yeah, it just says Mini. So, um, But, you know, I I had such a good time with that Clubman JCW. Such a brilliant car. Did everything I could ever want from it. Had loads of personality, loads of character. I drove Miss Emma Walsh's GP3 a few weeks ago, something like that. Actually really good, completely different to what I was expecting, but really liked it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I like what Mini are doing. I think think they're great. So big fan of them. Uh, Number eight, Volkswagen Polo. Mm -hmm. So I often think it looks better than the Golf because it's smaller. Number nine, the Ford Puma. Now, I've seen so many of these cruising around now. I think they look they look amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, you're not a fan? Well, really? I, 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 how that's got on the top Looks like the DBX. It, it's probably better than that. Oh, no. <laughs> 23,964, apparently. I have seen a lot of them hit the road. Yeah. That seems a lot for that. Okay, well, let's move on before yeah. Tony ruins for him. Uh And then number 10, the BMW 1 Series. Yeah, I knew that'd be in there. You know, so it'd be in there somewhere, wouldn't it? I'm actually surprised, mate. First of all, I'm surprised that the 3 Series isn't in there. Well, I, I was going to ask you, actually, if there was anything there which you thought was kind of missing. And the C-Class. But the C-Class the C class has pitted off a bit now because of the A-Class. But I'm very surprised that the um, 3 Series isn't in there because that's BMW's second best-selling car. Well, it's interesting uh, to see that, as I say, it's mainly hot hatches. Really, the cash car is the only kind of... SUV as such mm. um, with the rest of them are all hot hatches which sort of suggests that you know that's the way that the UK market has gone this year oh no the Puma I guess you could say is a little mini mini SUV yeah um, but yeah I mean they w- that you would expect yeah C-classes um, what else uh, they've all got one thing in common all of them cars as well they're all small engines as well They'll all be under two litre engines mostly 1.6 ish engines mm. down to sort of one litre um, you know, uh, the free series used to be on there. It was always like top three, top four. Yeah, I, maybe it's just been a weird year with it's come off Corona and stuff's yeah. changed. Who knows? Um, but yeah, interesting to see anyway. And uh, you know, let let us know if you agree. With those are the cars that you're seeing out on the road. Uh, let's talk about the other end of the market because it's something we've been talking about for a long time, all over the year. Mm-hmm. But it's now kind of made it into a few different. I saw a few different articles on this over the last two or three weeks. The drop off. In the luxury supercar market. It, yeah. Now, <laughs> go on. I, I'll let you rant if you want. No, I don't. Well, I, don't. I was going to build up to you ranting for a bit, but yeah, I mean, dive I in. I've really got too much to say about it. The fact of the matter is- Which you haven't said before. That, yeah, yeah, which I haven't said before. <laughs> this, this has been happening for 18 months, and we've had a, we had a little bit of a hype or hike essentially because of coronavirus and people going crazy and getting bounce back loans. We've already spoke about this before. Um, but yeah, that market has been tough for a while. Uh, it has been tough for a while and, and it doesn't show any real signs of recovering anytime soon. You know, if you look at a lot of, and, and again, thanks to Autocar for compiling this, they had a chat with uh, uh, my, my good old friend, Sheikh Amari, uh, and also I think Carl Hartley uh, to try and find some actual, you know, specific examples. Uh, and I haven't actually read the, uh, haven't actually opened the right article here um, uh, to pull out those examples. Uh, but things like Huracans, uh, A12 Superfast, DB11s and things like that have just had a bit of a shocker. Mm. Um, and I think at the very top end of the market, I think, you know, you're talking one, two million pound plus on the classics. I think they're actually doing really well. If you speak to a DK engineering or, or any kind of, you know, specialist uh, high-end seller, I think that stuff's still trading because when the rich people are rich, firstly, they don't get affected as, as badly with these huge uh, crises, but also they're always looking to invest their money. And if stocks aren't doing that well, they can take it out and stick it in these fancy cars. And, and as I say, word on the street is that those cars are still performing well, but it seems like everything 500 grand less is really struggling. Because there's a lot of it. A lot of it. And I think that's, you know, a lot of it's coming to the market. Speciales, we've noticed a lot of, you know, pieces of Ferrari in general, the Ferrari market very soft at the moment. Yeah. Um, but as I say, do you see this as 
this is a sort of return to the norm. Nowadays, if you want to go and buy a brand new anything super, you're going to just accept that you're going to lose a lot of money. Do you think that there will be a, a pick back up? Is, there, is this an opportunity for people to go and buy cars now at the lowest of the lows? Or how do you read it? I know we've talked about it a lot, but I'm just interested. We've had time to assess everything now. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see any of these modern supercars going up. That is for sure, because there's just too many of them. And, and all, there's not just too many on the market. The manufacturers continue to keep bringing new cars out all the time. They're all at it, Ferrari, McLaren, Lamborghini, uh, Porsche. McLaren. McLaren. I've just said McLaren. Oh, sorry. I said McLaren. It's the first name I've said. <laughs> because it's always at the top of your mind, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Aston, whenever I think fire, I think McLaren. <laughs> no, the, the, the Aston Martins, Bentleys. I mean, the list goes on, mate. Sure. You, you know, they continue to keep making cars. Not to order, just keep making cars, put that in the field, we'll wait until someone buys it. And I kind of used to get their mentality because we're in a very now world. I want it now. I don't want to wait six months. I don't Mm want to wait a year. I want my car now. So the manufacturer's done what we demanded. Unfortunately, they've ruined the market. So um, I, I, I don't see it changing. Do I think we should all rush out and buy supercars because they're going to go up? No. No. I would not advise that at all. Steer clear. Yeah. I, I actually think, yeah, now's a particularly bad time to buy any kind of supercar. I think I think it's... I do get a few messages. I've had some people talk to me about MC20s, Maserati MC20s, trying to say, oh, these are going to... You know, they're going to make so TDFs, much... TDFs is another one. Well, TDFs, but, but also on the new, like the STO Huracan that we've talked about quite a lot in the last few weeks. Mm. You know, oh, they're going to only make a few of them and are oh, they going to be super in demand, blah, blah. I think there's still a hang up on, oh, they're still going to be overs for certain cars. I think you've got to drum it into your head that those days are gone. Yeah. Those days so. are gone and just, just move on and buy cars that you want. Stop trying to flip them. Stop trying to make some money and expect to lose money. And can you go out there now and find some steals? Relatively, yes. As in like, we spoke about this on, uh, last week, I think it was on the phone, that if you had between 100 and 200 grand now, or even 100 to 150, anything below 200 grand, there are so many incredible options. It's almost hard to spend that money. It sounds ridiculous. It, it would, it, it, it's nearly impossible, mate. Like, there is so much choice at that, at that spectrum from 100 to 200. You, 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 you kind of, kind of, kind of can't get it wrong. Like, uh, and, and to prove in the pudding, some of my favourite cars, Jaguar F-Type Project 7 and the Project 8, unreal. So specking up an F-Pace SVR, I get to nearly 90 grand or something like that. A Project 8, two Project 8s have surfaced in the last few weeks, circa or below 90 grand. Mm. They were 150 grand plus plus new. Yeah. And you, you might all be screaming, going, Sam, go buy it. I don't have any more money. <laughs> Spend all my money buying silly cars that are costing me and even I've more told to him not keep to. alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, but that's a prime example. So at every single price point now, there's so many options for incredible cars. Okay, along comes a new GT3, 150 grand. You could probably find yourself a left-hand drive speciality for that money. Uh, close. Yeah, Close yeah, enough. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah, there's yeah. just this yeah. array. And so is there, therefore, yes, you can go out and you can find some amazing cars now that were maybe 300 grand two years ago. And at 150 grand, you think, that's what a bargain. I should go and buy it. But just be sensible. Buy the cars you want. Don't buy them because you think financially it's a good decision right now. And be prepared to lose some money. Yes. Don't, don't buy a car, any, any or just any car in general. Obviously, there are the odd few that that you won't do your brains on. But even right, even if you've only got ten grand to spend, don't buy a car and think you can drive a car around, put miles on it. And not lose any money. Luck into it. That's the best thing. Yes. Be lucky. My very first accountant, when I set up Seen Through Glass, had a 993, I don't think it was a turbo, but he had a 993. And he'd bought it for 12 grand. Yeah. And three, four years later, they were up at 35 or 40. God knows what it's up. I mean, he probably makes 75 grand on it now. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And he lucked into that. He said, it's hilarious. I like, I literally bought it because I wanted to, I've always dreamed of that car. Yeah. Now it's made money. And the joy in these, because he's like, now I can just drive it whenever I want. I don't really care. But don't go out there trying to guess the market now, trying to think, oh, that's hit its bottom. It's going to go back up. It's a silly game that you're only going to lose. And I think, you know, just whilst we can buy cars that you want to buy and you can enjoy and you can afford to enjoy and and stop messing around with yeah values. Because as we're hearing across the board from Tony, but also from uh, reports across the country and online, 
it's just the values of all these cars are going out of themselves. Yeah, and the thing is as well, where I always, and people will shout and scream and say that, that I'm wrong and I don't know what I'm talking about, and fair enough, that's your opinion, but I do, this is my job and I kind of get it. Um, if us as dealers are not prepared to give overs for cars, they're not overs because we have to make money on them. Don't yeah, forget. of course. So, so when I look at any car now at the moment, really apart from the odd one or two exceptions... I wouldn't give overs for any car at the moment because yeah, yeah. I, I don't think anything's worth no overs. I I I I I don't think I could achieve the money that I'd want, the margin that I'd want to lay that sort of money out. So, and don't forget, a lot of these new cars that get bought, they end up with us. They end up at dealers. We're pricing them. You know, you think the public doing it? We're doing it. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, we kind of we have a clue. We, we sort of. Sort of. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's wrap up today's episode because you know we do uh, run the risk of being uh, slightly repetitive. Uh, some topics we do just like to talk about over and over again on this podcast. Don't blame us. Um, but we hope you've enjoyed today's uh, today's show. Uh, if you're listening to us, wherever that might be, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play Podcasts. Somebody messaged me saying, "Don't forget to shout out Google." When's this going out? This one. Uh, well, today for patrons and later the week for everyone else. Oh, okay, fine. So, oh, good. Okay, fine. No, Anything I, you want to announce? <laughs> no, there's something, there's something I want to say, but I'll say it in the next one. Say it next week. Stay tuned. So if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're interested to hear what Tony's going to say, tune in next week. Yeah. Um, uh, and if you're on YouTube, subscribe, turn on notifications. If you want to support us, head over to Patreon. But for now, goodbye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.